All right, what's going on, everybody? My name is Drew Ducker. I go by Ducks. I'm the commissioner of the NFPL. We are on episode six of our podcast. Today, I'm with Ted Creighton. He is the artistic director of Joy Futsal. They're one of the new teams coming into the league. Ted, great to have you on here. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, man. We're uh, we're happy to have you guys involved in the league, uh, especially looking in, into next year. So it should be a lot of fun. Before we kind of talk about the youth and the men's, uh, we'd love to hear a bit more about, about yourself. So kind of like, where were you born and raised? Let, let's kind of start with that. I grew up in Minnesota. I was, uh, I loved games and sports. I, I spent my, uh, every second I had outside playing uh, at the local park. Uh, we play hockey in the winter, basketball in the spring, uh, baseball in the summer, and football in the fall. Just all year round, I I didn't start playing soccer until I was 16 in high school, and that wasn't that uncommon back then. Okay. And then uh, uh, I loved everything about soccer, and uh, I had to learn everything step by step. So uh, you know, and I would I would glom onto these really good players. This Brazilian guy was so good, and we became really close friends. And he said, I, "In Brazil, we just." We play with this little tiny ball called Futebol Barcelona. Like what? <laughs> it's small. It's heavy. It doesn't bounce. I'm like, I was so confused. Yeah. And um, so I decided to take a trip with him. So in '89, we went. I spent six weeks, seven weeks in Brazil, in Jundiaí, outside of Sao Paulo. His house, cool house, right outside his window is these two elevated futsal courts. And I spent nice. seven weeks just hanging out the courts, playing every day. Um, amazing experience. And um, when I came back, uh, we brought the futsals with us. And our club team, which was the top team in Minnesota, we, we dropped out of all the indoor hockey rink leagues. Yep. And we would play uh, futsal on Friday nights. And we did that for like six years. And, but it was, of course, football be so long. So it wasn't even yep. called futsal back then. We were, you know, I forget what we were calling it. Because um, football be so long kind of doesn't really, you know, ring very well. Um, and futsal is a genius name. But when they went to futsal, they also changed the ball to a bigger size. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, by then, you know, by then I was like really into development, into, into playing and coaching. And so when I discovered futsal or football be salon, I would like went deep into it. And um, I think a guy from England called uh, Clive Edwards, he started the Brazilian soccer schools and he did some research that showed that, um, that the Brazilian clubs were concerned uh, that since they went to a bigger ball, the size four or three ball, That, that not as many, uh, oh my goodness, my, sorry. That's right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Is that all right? Yeah, sorry. Someone called me and did I just lose you? Uh, I can hear you well now. Uh, Ted, are you there? I'm looking, okay. I'm somewhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, there I am. 
Okay, sorry about that. Someone called me. I'm gonna turn my phone off. No and problem. Everything kind of went wonky. Um, there was some concern, I guess. There's some concern in Brazil that uh, since they went to the um, bigger ball, not as many kids were being developed. They were always using futsal as a developmental tool mm-hmm. in the academies, and they were kind of. Uh, Sao Paulo was one of the first cities to really build municipal futsal courts all around the in their park. So every park, like every park in the United States has a tennis court. Yep. And it's a poly of a, a futsal court. court. And um, so if you if you look at it, I think if you draw a radius around Sao Paulo, I believe it's like 70% of soccer players are developed in that radius of heavy duty futsal areas. And it's because the little kids are playing futsal. I mean, we tend, uh, soccer coaches tend to be uh, very rigid in their thinking, thinking, well, futsal is not soccer. But if you really break it down, if you really uh, deconstruct it, it's really about decision-making. It's about uh, communication with your teammates. It's about using the ball as kind of a a point of vulnerability, uh, a play thing that you draw other people to you. in, in studies of play, for instance, of animals, the preferred mm-hmm. position is not of dominance. When when animals are playing, the preferred preferred position is that of, of vulnerability. So they you want to be the dog with the toy with the other three dogs chasing you, and that's kind of in that play. That's what soccer is, and so is futsal. Right. So I think the I think soccer coaches. Um, they understand that futsal is in a very rigid way. They understand small-sided, uh, 5v5, more touches. Touches have nothing to do with it. It's about the communication, the sort of like, can I draw you in? Can I be clever? Uh, all unconsciously, all without thinking. Yeah. Um, so that's how we use futsal here. We change surfaces a lot. If you play futsal on, say, a sport court, and you fall, it doesn't, it's kind of a nice surface, right? It doesn't hurt too much. Wood court, not too bad, you know, good for sliding as well. Yeah. Uh, but if you play on our uh, asphalt court, if you fall, it hurts. So you have to be, you have to slow yourself down a little bit. You can't dominate sure. with speed. You have to use cleverness to draw people in so that you can get behind them. And so the surfaces teach as well as different balls. I think, uh, the futsal needs to be thought of in a better way because it's not just about low bounce. It's about my wife played in a in an indoor league once, and she's kind of an intermediate player. and And I was there watching, and they used uh, the old fashioned indoor ball that was made for gymnasiums, which was okay. an American invention, I think. The Nerf like ball, tennis ball, tennis so ball. Yeah, 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 I remember it. one. Yeah, they bounce like crazy. So someone would. They did throw-ins, some would throw it in, and the ball would bounce, and four girls, ladies, would get around it, swinging at it, missing, 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 missing. Someone would hit it, go out of bounds, and then someone else would grab it for another throw-in, throw it, and the whole thing started all over. There was no decision-making going on there. Sure. It was like, can I hit it, can I hit it, can I kick it? The futsal, and especially the old futsal, the uh, Brazilian futsal is a decision-making machine. It hits the ground, it stops bouncing, 
and it forces you to say, okay, what is my next decision? What is my, and it gets you communicating. And I believe that's what play is. I think it's play is, is the original language. And uh, all other languages kind of grew from that. Yeah, no, I like that. Dis but I'm out there, so. For sure. No, uh, decision-making, right? That's that's one that I feel like uh, mm. is a big one. I think you hit the uh, the nail, uh, the hammer on the nail there, right? So for me, everything, in my opinion as well, right, revolves around decision-making. Decision-making either with the ball, decision-making without the ball. So for me, it's one of the top three kind of topics that I, I'm always looking to take out of futsal. So that, that's great to hear. Uh, you know some similar thoughts there. I like uh, I like your changing in surface. What you do with the kids, uh, very interesting. Let me ask you, how old were you when you went to Brazil? You're dating me now, but uh, I was roughly. I was kind of like I was retired till I was forty, and then I started working. Basically, I spent until I was forty. I spent all my time just playing soccer. Okay. I uh, played a little professionally. I want to be as good as I could. And I did some national camps. I was close to making the 90, well, 32, top 32 for the 90 World Cup. Um, I was lying about my age when they when they brought me in. They go, because back then you had to, you did it through the East, West, North, South selecting okay. program and made regionals. And, and uh, so I lied about, I go, God, you know, because I surprisingly made the North region team. And then we went down there and did really well. And I did well. So then I got called to the, to go further and the, and, uh, you had to fill out this form. I go, if I tell my real age at 32, which was, no, it was, let's see, it was 88 and 89. So it would have been, yeah, I've been 30 and 31. Okay. So I was 31 when I went to Brazil, but I also, that year I did a national camp or part of that. Gotcha. And they were, they were, they were building up a team for the 90 world cup team. And they, so I said, I was, I believe I said I was 27. They, call, they called me in and they go, Ted, you've done really well, but we're really going to try to go young. So you're, you're kind of too old for us. Sure. So even 27. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. As I, even though I was lying about my age. So funny. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. So yeah, but, uh, but it was er, early. Uh... But it was, a, it was a real, it was a life changer. It was, it really was because cool. Um, I was trying to figure out and I knew that like, if you pick up a basketball here, everybody's good. Minnesota or United States. Right. And, and I was a big basketball player, big time. I played, I had lettered in high school. Um, the, uh, at like the top high school in uh, Hopkins, one of the top in the nation, actually. The, um, the, the, um, but everybody's good at basketball. And down there, um, I was really looking at soccer as kind of a fitness strong. I was like, into, I was incredibly, you know, I was diligent about my fitness and everything. Uh, but then I was getting, we would play this like really relaxed soccer at these C2s. A C2 is a, is a cabin in Brazil and, and they all are the same. They have a barbecue pit. They have a, a pendant soccer field, like a, yeah. we call it a futsal court, but usually it's grass surface, okay. but it's usually got walls and they have a, a pool, a small pool. And you go from the soccer field to the pool to barbecue and beer to to the soccer to the pool so you just keep going around yeah and uh i mean there were these guys with big beer bellies no no athleticism that would beat me on the coolest moves right sure and you know of course i could recover really quickly and get back there you know and hustle 
And at one point they just were passing the ball around and I'm, I got so mad that I just started sprinting, right? Like, and, and I was, you know, if you wanted me to run a mile back then, I could probably done it well under six minutes, right? Sure. Okay. None of these guys could have done a 12 minute mile. <laughs> None of them. And yet they're passing the ball around me and I'm getting super mad. And they're saying, no lay, you know, in Brazil. So it was like, when I got there, when I went down there, I was like, I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I'm a really good soccer player. And instead of like thinking about what is it that they're, you, I wanted to do that, but, but the competitive side like cuts off your learning somehow. And so I just wanted to always prove myself. But once I stepped back, I saw that, wow, they were like, they were like, if I have strong muscles, if I'm quick, if I'm faster than they are, which I was, they're going to use those muscles against me. Sure. They're going to make me go this way really, really hard so they can go that way really, really easy. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. And in Brazil, the word hustle is not, a, it's not, it's not good to hustle, which is really weird when you think about it. Right. You know, they want, they want artistic play. They want, and uh, it's very difficult to sort of wrap your arms what, around what that is. But it, when we play, I think we, we, Americans play basketball, we enjoy this sort of cat and mouse. We don't see it as sort of an athletic contest unless we're like, super competitive, but when we play against our brothers, our dads, my son, um, who I just beat in basketball, you know, early in the pandemic, to his surprise, he, <laughs> we, we enjoy the sort of the trick plays and the sort of, you know, it's not, it's not about an athletic contest. And I think that idea is what we're really exploring at Joy the People. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty unique experience uh, going down to Brazil, which uh, unbelievable country in general for futsal um, and, and soccer as a whole. So very, very cool. And uh, if I can break in, I, I, I went to a, a, a futsal game, okay, a futsal league game, but it was a football de salon league Dissalon, game. So, yeah. And oh, and I actually played in one too. So they, they got me to play in a game and it was in this really cool tin roofed cement floor you know, official size, bigger than a gym, right? But it was like a painted a cement floor. And oh, I was so pumped up. And we went and bought these shoes and the shoes looked like they looked like deck shoes back then, mm -hmm. the official futsal shoes. And they have rounded, big rounded toes, so you could toe ball it, yep. or not rounded toes, but flat toes in front. So they look like, I guess you'd look like a deck shoe today, I guess. Okay. But oh my God, that was fun. And um, back then the rule was you couldn't go, um, there was, there was a six meter box and you couldn't go, you couldn't score in the box. I think it was, um, or you couldn't go into the box. Yeah. I believe you had to score outside the box. You could run through it, but you couldn't, that was a goalie's area. Okay. So as you know, the, and it was throw-ins back then, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, for futsal day, Salon, yeah, especially yeah. yeah. back in the day. So, so, um, the futsal game I went to the pro game was like, probably 2000 people there was really, really fun. Awesome. And the, the game I played was also really packed. And afterwards we sat at the bar drinking beers, you know, the bars are not like bars here. The bars are like a corner bar. So it's way closer to your house. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, it's way leaner. It's like a, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a food truck bar. Yeah. 
and we just sat around talking about how great we played you know yeah for and sure. how how this how this big i go that guy's way too big he's way too big he he played like this other guy on this other team i think he scored like six goals he was pivot he had to be close to 300 pounds and he would he would play like the old-fashioned pivot where he'd hold the ball and you know Post three up. guys he would look like a big bear nobody could get to him he'd lay the ball off and they would score we end up we end up winning i remember i passed it to my best buddy and he scored the goal so that was fun yeah, nice. It's definitely like, you know, lower league. Oh yeah, well, for sure, man. But it's definitely it's fun. It makes you think about some of the dynamics we 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 think of as Americans, like you said, big, strong, fast, but you know, the idea of hard work versus smart work, I think uh is definitely misconstrued at the younger ages sometimes, uh, as well as the older ages. So, some interesting uh experiences, right, that you've had. Very cool. Well, from from Brazil, right, fast forward a little bit here. Tell me how do you, do you coach at uh, Joy Futsal? Like, tell me about kind of how the youth club came together. Yeah, it was uh, so. I brought futsal to. Uh, I, I love to do indoor training with kids, and back in the day, it was very technical. It was like super. You know, I mean, super super technical, like way too technical. Like this is you know make, make it perfect, do it over. Practice makes perfect. Big believer in that and. And we had these amazing, uh, you know, you're stuck in a gym. So I worked for Blackhawks, this club, and I would do, you know, four nights a week of training, uh, skill-based training. So balls and every kid with the ball. And then at the end, we would play futsal. We, I'd bring out the futsals. We, you know, they weren't everywhere back then. And okay. we would play 3v3, 5v5. We would divide the gym up in threes. We'd use all the gyms. And we cycle the kids around these gyms, you know, with the championship court. And the more I watched it, the more I said, well, the kids really like the game. So let's just, let's just do more of that. Sure. Yeah. But the real important stuff is the learning. So the, the key was, is like, you know, can we teach them everything? And then if they're good, we'll let them play at the end. And, um, it was such a really cool dynamic with girls. And so I probably did that for 15 years, every winter, which is probably 20 weeks of four to five nights a week, three to four hours a night. So it's gotta be close to 10,000 hours of coaching, you know, indoor futsal and stuff. And, and what I saw was, uh, you know, we, we ran the first that I became director of coaching at Blackhawks and futsal was big in our development system. We had a good plan. We had the first futsal tournament in 2004. Nice. Um, I think it was called futsal by then. And then we, we didn't have the goals. We had to make our own goals or, you know, duct tape our goals together, basically. Yeah. Um, and we had four courts and we had uh, 44 teams at first tournament. It was a big success and futsal's really grown here since then. And uh, when I left Blackhawks, I really wanted to explore the idea of free play. And we, we got a rec center for Blackhawks. The city was having trouble keeping their, um, their rec centers running. So I pitched the idea of let us take one over and they gave us one and we took it over. And the idea that I pitched to Black to the board of directors was let's make this a free play. So like a club where kids could come and they could just play 24 seven. Yeah. And we did it, but nobody came. Uh, they're just kids just need to be scheduled and you know right. and besides that everybody wanted to know where their next big tournament was it was such a low priority 
And I, I sort of want to keep create that C2 con, uh, concept that we had in Brazil with the, the pool, the, uh, the barbecue, the, you know, if you, if, you, if you know where your food is going to come from, you know you can keep cool, you know you can rest, you'll play all day long. And um, when, we go, when we tend to run programs in the United States, we, we go to domes and stuff, we put our shoes on, we play, we take our shoes off, we go home, there's no, all the important stuff is the sort of, you know, the, the connectivity of the kids and the yeah, interaction. And, and we, we miss that stuff. And so that's what I wanted to create there. It didn't happen. And I still was in love with that idea. And um, I didn't like the direction that the, the Blackhawks wanted to go. And so I set up on my own. We started a nonprofit called Joy of the People, which is named after Garincha. Oh, yeah, okay. um, just because we liked the name and it was, and we wanted to focus on free play. And as we, so we, we set off with, we started off with one kid and as we did it, we saw how well, so basically what we discovered or what my people who know me on Twitter know that it's like, you do not need coaching. In fact, coaching probably holds you back as you learn the game early on that you can develop more unique, better skills if you just take the long-term approach and playing games close to home with your friends, add some best practices, which is like a futsal ball maybe, so it doesn't bounce so much, yeah. a fast surface. Um, big goals are really important because you want that, you want that uh, finisher versus the goalie problem. You want that in their brains early and yeah and uh so you add these best practices and, and you could you don't need here's how you do a maradona here's how you shoot a ball here's how you not to you're much 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 older and i really don't but, but people i think have lost the i lost the faith bad word i guess the belief that people can learn on their own and uh so what we've seen is much just really cool environments. We see amazing skills we never teach. A really good example is, is a game we call goalie war. So I didn't invent this, the kids did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So normally we teach shooting, we would, you know, copy, here's how Ronaldo does it, three steps back, you know, kick, you know, the, um, lock the ankle, bend the knee. One day I was, in my office and I went into the gym of this different rec center that we, we got later. Um, and the kids were playing, uh, with a volleyball and I'm like, why are you playing with a volleyball? It wasn't just a volleyball. It was a volley light, which is I think half the weight of a, of a volleyball. Oh, yeah. And they were shoot. They put the, the, we had futsal goals back then and they put the futsal goals across the gym. So there was like 20 yards apart and they're yeah. shooting back and forth at each other. Yeah, it's like cool game, but why using that ball? You know, why not? A, and what I noticed was these were like nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds that with their swing, they could effectively swing naturally and impart a really good flight on the volley light. Where with a with a, a soccer ball or a futsal, they'd have to really muscle it, yeah. which created um, inconsistencies that didn't look right in their swing. For sure, technique. And sure. here they're using technique or ability, I guess, to 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 swing and hit the ball because the ball's light and it matches their size. And so that is still today 
So the kids have, have never touched shooting in 10 years. And I would guarantee you our kids can shoot are, are as good as amazing else, shooters. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to compare, but, but the, they spent, if I don't go in the gym, they'll be like playing uh, goalie wars, like constantly. I have to, you know, 30 kids waiting, sitting down for their turn to shoot. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And they, I have to break it up, say we can't play this anymore, or we have to do something else because it's too much sitting. But yeah, that's their game that they invented, that they, no, they're probably watching Ronaldo on YouTube. They were doing sure. these, these other things too, but there's no like external feedback that is going into their brain to tell them, you're good at that. You're bad at that. This is how you should do it. This is how, you know, it's just them building up that internal feedback on how to fix their shot using a, a volley light. Nice. Very and cool. that's how kids, that's how our view of, that's our basic method of how we teach kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Are you familiar with, uh, Tom Byers soccer starts at home book? Mm -hmm. Sounds like I, I hear a lot of those things kind of resonated as well. Uh, yeah, he he uh, he he believes that like, um, I mean, I, I think it's good. I think it's too extra. I think it's, I think he has some good points. But what I would say is, when you are below five years old, your role model is your parents. Sure. And uh, the best thing you can do, even more than playing with your kid or having them dribble on cones at home, is to go play yourself and enjoy it and let your kids see that yeah no very absolutely. best thing and spend some time and i think i think tom and i differ because tom says well uh the first thing a kid wants to do is kick the ball away but in spain they teach you to you want to have the ball so they dribble and he focuses on dribbling at a young age i would say the most basic problem the most important problem that a soccer player ever or a futsal player ever has a futsal knows this very well that you ever have to solve is the striker versus keeper and this is organically the first problem a kid should face so a five-year-old is should be shooting against their mom you know what i mean like he yeah. barely gets it to a mom that pretty soon shoots it harder and realizes well the mom's in the way i have to move my shot and he figures out if i hit it over there hard but now she's moving to get it then the next step is, okay, how do I use my brain to move my mom over so that there's a gap that I can shoot into? And this, this sort of important step, rather than just dribbling the ball around, the ball's not your friend. The ball is not nothing except a ball. Mm -hmm. Your friend is your mom, the people that you're going to be playing with. But the ball is not your friend. The ball is what you, is the toy that you use to put yourself in a position of vulnerability that you use to communicate with others. Nice. Yeah, no, I like that. And I like the idea of the different balls, I think, is, is important when you're young as well, especially the, the little mm -hmm. the little ones, right? Because if they can't hit a ball more than two inches, it's not fun for them as well. So, um, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, are you familiar with um, differential learning and Wolfgang Stolhorn? He, like, he's a big believer in, like, so we have yes, we yeah. have we have a collection of probably a thousand not a thousand it'd be interesting to find out probably 50 different balls in our closet everything from every kind of ball you can imagine yeah sure and we roll it out we'll, we have, we have safe balls we have heavy balls we have weighted balls we have 
We have just about everything. We even use a tennis ball machine to pop out tennis balls to get kids repetition shooting uh, at a more rapid rate. Rapid pace, nice. Yeah, my coach growing up made me bring a, an orange one time to training. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was crazy. It was crazy. So um, we need a refrigerator. They, I know, right? I know. Well, cool. Well, some some of this developmental uh, philosophies and stuff has been great to hear a lot, right? The Tom Byers came to my mind. I think there were some residents and just uh, what you've said in general about the ideas of the Spanish and the Brazilian learning model versus here in the U.S. Everything is a bit more rigid, and I think it's the culture, right? The culture, whether that's a pro or con for you, right, is kind of your opinion um, for those listening. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And again, going back to the idea of futsal, you know, I think uh, it's an important part uh, of, of the game for kids to learn. So you said the Youth Academy kind of formed in that capacity, though, right? More as a free play, right? Solving problems. You know, tell me kind of what what is it? What does it look like if I kind of join Joy of the People now um, on like a full year scale? Let's say if I'm between like nine and 16. I was going to say you're a little old, but if you if you were to join now, yeah. we'd probably still take you. The, uh, we don't have tryouts, so so anybody can join up. Okay. Um, we select, you know, the winter we focus on futsal, and the summer we focus on outdoor. We built like this uh, small sided, um, beautiful turf field uh, with has cork infill and a super nice surface to play on. It stays cool in the summer because of the, you water and the cork absorbs the water and keeps it cool. Uh, so we focus more on outdoor. Uh, we have like a, a ringed um, hockey rink with, with turf on that. We have grass spaces, big goals everywhere. We have an outdoor futsal court. We have a tennis court. Uh, if it's hot, we'll put down a plastic sheet and shoot water at it so kids it's like a slip slide court and put some soap on it um so in the winter we do futsal in the spring we do like uh, we get ready for outdoor we'll we'll put some lower level teams together to play uh in a summer league summer is the big best time it's just summer camps all day so we do okay kids come in the morning and they'll play high school kids go over here middle school kids here elementary school kids here and they just play and um, in a normal year you'll have you'll open it up for free play as well so there's hours where anybody can come it'll probably not happen this summer because of covid right uh, i mean we'll have campers but we can't do the free play we can't have too much mixing right sure because, yeah a little um, more restrictive we're probably that's probably next year so okay um you you'll see um like You'll see really wide range of play levels. You'll see beginners, and you'll see incredible um, some of the best futsal players in the nation. I would say uh, the um, and I think we're probably better at futsal than we are at, are at outdoor, at least because um, the sort of organizational factors it takes for outdoor. You need and and I think I don't believe it's that important yet to focus so much on the larger tactics of 11 v 11 focus you as outside right back whatever it is we don't pick or positions for kids we just kind of let it fly so it's very loose but it's the people who are here are um you know they're really dedicated to it we've built a really good community here 
Very nice. So I think you notice the tightness of the group is, is really good. Yeah. Do some of the players that maybe come in, let's just say, uh, if they come in and play just futsal, do some of those players go back and like play with like a different club in the spring and fall? Do you have guys at that kind of mix did, in between? Yeah, at first we thought, okay, remember, we're not about futsal, we're about free play. Sure. So that so we said, let's just be the free play plays where all the kids, and of course the kids did great, right? They were like, and then every August when the tryouts started, they'd go to every club and they'd make every club they went to. Yeah. And then those clubs would say, look, you're 12 years old and you're really, really good and you're on a premier team now. Time to put the fun stuff that drove people away and get onto the real serious stuff. And so then we would see those kids less and less. And when we did see them, they weren't, this is hard for people to believe, but it's true. They, they would fall behind basically. Okay. They would, they weren't, they were communicating, they weren't playing. They were, they were pretty good at fighting or competing, going fast, you know, their movements would become more rickety, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't good at sort of relaxing playing. And it's me in, in that Brazilian scenario where working really hard, or the Brazilians are just relaxed. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it takes the best of both worlds, but I think in the, as a kid, you need that sort of relaxed state because you you can play more if you don't fight it and you can learn more. Uh, forgot my train of thought, but basically, um, oh yeah, so um, we quickly saw that if we did that, we would be sort of coaching ourselves right out of business because we'd be free play with training the kids so well, they'd go make the premier teams and we'd never see them again. Right. And we lost a couple of generations generations but age groups sure, that way. Yeah, so either. then we said a lot a lot of the kids are like can't we just play here all year round right and then light bulb went off because yeah you don't need leagues you don't need we could probably do that we could join the us club we could form tournament teams we don't i i never wanted to run another tryout again i was just sick of tryouts and I, I'm, so we tried to figure out how can we do it we, we formed a program called rice and beans which is a year-round program and kids can from the age of eight up, nine up, really, um, they can join that. And all we ask is for an interview. So we interview the parents and kids and see if it's right. And if it is, they join and they play a lot of futsal. They play a lot of, they just play so much. And that's kind of the goal. It, it, off, if there's room, we'll, we'll put a feeler out there for other people who want to join for futsal teams okay. in the winter. And yeah. we get a few. Not a lot, but but we do get a few um, because our teams fill up. So yeah, yeah, awesome. So it sounds like you have a, a pretty good like top to bottom in terms of uh, come out, have fun, low level, high level, whatever it is. So I know you mentioned you put teams together. So for instance, for futsal specifically, uh, do you put teams together just based on who shows up? Do you have kind of a, an elite version of that where you go to like a, a, a national event to compete? Is there, uh, tell me a little bit about kind of maybe that, that balance. Yeah, for you. so that's a really great question because if you're not doing tryouts and you believe in developing, or, or really about is development. So what we're trying to do is figure out the development process. And, and in our system, we, if you want to learn a second language, you can do it by going to school and getting like the best French teacher who can like drill on French or you can go to the playground 
and play with French kids in the playground. Mm -hmm. And you're going to probably learn it better in the playground. In second language learning theory, there's two phases. First is um, what's called acquisition, which is the in and around the language where input is important, but not output. So it's not how much you're playing or speaking, uh, but how much you're seeing and letting things come in and enjoying it. So, uh, and then later comes the rules, laws, skills, and techniques. And when we teach you soccer in this country and all, almost all sports, we don't focus enough on the acquisition phase. We focus just on the rules, laws. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Let's enter this tournament. So in seeing the beauty of acquisition and how well it works, we're like, when do we switch from one to the other? Excuse me. And the sort of our theory is that at peak height velocity, when kids turn 15, 16, when they grow, go from a boy to a man, that that's what they want. They want feedback. They want more structure. They want more. So how we do it is below the age of 15, we balance teams out. Anybody who comes can play uh, equal playing time. Um, and then um, 16 and up, we say we're going to tier the teams. Okay. Um, and actually what we do is we start with our nine. So 16 and up, we start with our 19 team and we put the top players there. And then next comes the uh, 2003s. Yeah. That comes the next tier, yeah. which are usually 04s and 05s. It's like that. It works like that. Okay. Nice. So, uh, you know, we won the U.S. National Championship, uh, U.S. Youth Football National Championship in 19. Um, and we weren't able, last year we did well, but we didn't, uh, I think, semifinals. The, this year, there was none. You know, well, there'll be one in, in, in the summer, June. Yeah. Yeah. So July, we haven't decided if we're going to do that, but we are doing regionals in April. Okay. So, nice. um, and our, you know, our focus is the, the oldest teams get the focus kind of the top teams. And then it sort of, it sort of self balances out from there. So by the time you get to 15s, it's equal playing time as everybody plays. Yeah. Everyone so okay, and, and cool. in general, uh, it's very hard for a new person to come in and and sort of make a breakthrough the best kids enjoy the people have them are the ones who've been here the longest um the two kids that play in the men's national team or, or made that camp in in santa clara last year or wherever it was were um aiden and z they've been here 10 years okay. so so the um and if someone did come in from out of nowhere and be able to make our top team we'd have to say um okay what are we doing wrong in our development that, you know what it, or what is this guy doing right the the one exception to that is keeper where we don't naturally produce sure. um yeah heavy duty amount of players okay well nice yeah no it's uh like a very unique structure i uh, i was definitely curious how kind of it, it works so i think you explained it quite well um so kind of as we kind of go from youth to men's here uh, COVID aside, COVID obviously threw a wrinkle in for everyone. Do you have a, a picture of where you want kind of the, the youth component in three to five years from now? Is it going to be same track? Do you have new plans? There's a couple of things. We want to really use futsal in a really good way. Um, I do see futsal and the men's outdoor team probably becoming more separate as the years go by. Okay. In the first few years, we'll probably have 
a lot of people playing on the, the futsal team will probably also play on the outdoor team. But I think being that our outdoor team is a very young team and our futsal team will probably be at the start very young as well. I think most of the outdoor players or most of our players want to make it. If you ask them, they'll say they like futsal more than outdoor, but these, these kids could go pro. So they, they know that that's where the economy is right now. Yeah. And so they'll want to focus more on the outdoor. And so, uh, but there will be some that want to do both. Yeah. And there'll be, and I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's cross training in the winter. I think that's, um, you know, the higher level they go, the more specific they have to be. And that, that's probably when they have to. in Brazil. And I, I know, I think they divide up at 13. In most right? cases. Yeah. And we, we, we played a team, we played the Barcelona U19 team with, uh, in 20. And I think it's of that team, seven played for the, the national team that won the UEFA under 19s. So it was like basically all the best players in Spain. And um, they've been playing futsal together since they were eight years old. And um, my thoughts on, on that team was, you know, um, individually, very like technical, right? Uh, their movement stuff was incredible that they could, their movement was better than good. I mean, it was better than incredible. Right. And, but I think individually, I think they weren't as creative as they needed to be. I think they'd, they had done too much for us all. They had done too. And I think when they played Corinthians in the final, uh, the Corinthians showed them, you know, I think the Brazilian way is in my way, the best where you, I love the Spanish for zeros and all the movement stuff that they've implemented i love that and you and the brazilians want to learn that too that's why they go come to these tournaments to learn from the spaniards and spaniards but it's much easier for the brazilians to learn the movement than the spaniards to learn how to individually break down and i think that comes yeah. from the brazilian play so yeah, uh we want to use uh futsal and outdoor to springboard these kids we don't want them to stay at you know five years an outdoor uh, if there's if we can take the next step in either futsal or um, outdoor and go like pro and start, and, and realistically, it would probably start in futsal more than outdoor because it'd be more feasible. Mm -hmm. uh, then that would change things where people would become more focused on that sport in itself. So uh, we really like to see it grow. As I told you, uh, we really like to be involved in the women's game as well. Yep. Um, we want to become a complete academy without ever being called an academy. So if you can please help me with a new word or mm -hmm. any of your listeners, uh, I never want to be called an academy. Okay. I don't want to be called a school. Uh, we, we are just, but, but it's a way for kids to come in through futsal, through the girls game, through the men's game. They can go play at the highest level and then perhaps springboard to other places. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you kind of, now, kind of adding the men's, and we're like I said, we're 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 excited to have you in the NFPL. This is at least maybe the the first of a couple steps for futsal, where now the youth have a a pathway to you know what we'll call the highest level at the moment, right? Uh, in the U.S. for men's, it sounds like you're gonna have a lot of younger younger guys to to start with on kind of the men's team. Is that kind of where you see the men's kind of being molded into? Yeah, I think I think with the outdoor. 
the outdoor team, we're going to focus on U23. So we're not going to do that with Flexol, uh, but but we will be very, very young. We are going to add, um, so when you do outdoor U23s, you basically get most of the players under 23, but there's three, what is it, three or four? Three or it's four like now, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That can be older. And so those people give like um, uh, experience and we will, so we want to bring in some, and we, ha we have some plans for futsal to bring in some older experienced players that have actually played professional in Brazil nice. that uh, want to come in and help us out yeah. and play. And that's where we, um, so we think like our oldest players that have been with us are 20 years old only. Okay. So we will definitely be young. Um, but we have some really good young players that really love futsal. And we think that for that academy, for that group, they could be, they could advance up really quickly. Nice. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think a lot of the NFPL teams are using, are starting to use younger players, ABK, right? I feel like their average age is probably 19 or 20 on their group now. And, and similar to, to yourself, right? They've got guys that have played, you know, 10, 12 years for them, kind of all the way up. So uh, I do think we have a lot of young players, college players, even some high school players that, that are on these teams. So it, it should be a good mix, right? You know, bringing in a couple of veterans to help and have some young kids and then build them kind of homegrown as you're doing. So the, we're, we're excited, we're excited. Well, what are their plans in terms of, you know, who, who's gonna coach this group? Have you guys kind of, I know we've got a way still, have you kind of got into to that yet? We, we haven't, but I'm not coaching the outdoors, so uh, I might coach the futsal. Okay, to at least start um, with. I think my, my days of getting my pro license in the outdoors probably are over, but I might have a chance to do some, make some, I enjoy futsal. I enjoy coaching it. I enjoy the sort of the timeouts and, you know, I'm not a big brainiac. 11 v 11, 4 v 4 is my stuff. Okay. The, uh, I don't, I like, I'm infatuated with um, run and gun offense in basketball. Yep. Like, okay. uh, and I want to, I want futsal to play that way. Nice. Um, the, I, uh, we played, with very young players, we played the U.S. youth uh, from Ohio. There was a coach there from Ohio, uh, Orf. Otto. Orf. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so he had like seven members of the U.S. youth futsal national or nineteen team. So, like the top players, a lot of top players, right, for their team. Okay. Big. And so we're like looking at this team, and we're thinking, okay, they're gonna just, you know kill us and run over us they got into this little diamond uh wimpy zone defense and we you know what i mean we couldn't break it down we couldn't uh we had all the ball we had you know 95 percent of the ball we created some really good chances they beat us and after the game our players were like generally upset with the coach because he didn't they didn't come out and play. Do you know what I'm saying? He was like, sure, so yeah. we don't want to play like that. I'm not, there's nothing against Otto, nothing against, you know, I know, I know this when you're at a tournament like that, the idea is to win. But the, uh, we want to, the kids enjoy the people want to play and yeah. they want the other team to play. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. It's our role, I guess, or my job as a coach, like, how do you dictate the tempo? How do you get the other team, even if they to to play like that? Because I think deep down, all kids want to play fast, they want to go. And, but the coach wants to slow them down because the coach knows that, you know, uh, that could be trouble. So you want to, how do you 
pull the other team into playing at a pace that they don't want to play at. You know, that's kind of what I'm infatuated with. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun chess game as a coach, right? I think mm-hmm. the comparison I like to make is, you know, the 11 v 11 game is is your chess game. You're moving pieces. You've got a little time to think about it, make changes. Futsal, you're playing speed chess. Like you move, they move. Mm-hmm. You move, they move. I mean, the clock. You've got seconds to make another move. So, um, I, I do agree. I, I like the the running gun. I like the pace. I like to dictate what happens with the tempo uh, and and just the excitement. So, uh, that that's great. That's great. So. So it sounds like we'll see uh, a lot of young kids uh, up and coming mm-hmm. at our at our f- event here next month, and in general, there'll be some young kids. We, yeah, we haven't decided if we're going to do it yet, um, just because of COVID. But okay. um, I'm t- I'm meeting with them today. Gotcha. Um, it would be a very young team. It would be it would be a very young team. Gotcha. To, yeah. To, but we'll, to go. we'll we'll see we'll see some young players in general. It sounds like uh, uh, coming out of Joy of the People next next winter, mm-hmm. which is which is awesome, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Well, we're definitely excited to see what uh, what the club can bring. And I know you mentioned the the women's as well. So we've had a lot of interest. Uh, I think everyone on the podcast so far has mentioned towards the end uh, what we want to do with the women's. So one, we definitely don't want to neglect them by any means. Uh, I do think there's a huge market and, and we've got our sights set on a, a women's division pretty soon here. That would be, you know, that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. Let me know how I can help with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you? Do you guys have uh, older girls right now as well, and kind of growing into not that, that women's? Old, but they'll be ready. They're 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 at that level, so they could play a women's league. Yeah. That's all, yeah. Nice. Very very cool. Very cool. Well, just uh, thinking about futsal in general, I feel like we've we've chatted a lot about the real real young kids futsal in general. Some of your developmental philosophies. You know, what would you like to see? U.S. futsal in general, right? Uh, kind of where, what do you want to see out of U.S. futsal in the next couple of years uh, in general? The, it'd be nice, you know, I know Dushan's where I, I Dushan and I went to, um, we were introduced a couple of years ago and before he was national team coach and and uh, Joy, Joy the People sponsored Dushan and I to go to the, um, to the, what was it, the World Cup qualifying in Euros which happened to be in, in Serbia and Belgrade in his home country. Yep. So he, he, uh, he, he took me around. We met all the coaches. We got to see training sessions. It was really cool. And um, I know he's working really hard and everything's divided. You know, I think there's some factors that want to keep futsal separate. Uh, I would like to see USSF uh, embrace futsal and say, we can, let's make the pie bigger. Uh, let's build a women's program. Let's have a women's national team. Uh, let's give Dushan some money and some support. Uh, let's make the World Cup. Yeah. Let's fill that World Cup team up with young players that people can get excited about, um, and not play this sort of you know old style, slow. You know, uh, let's really look differently at futsal. Let's. Um, let's play it like we play basketball so i think in order to do that we need more unstructured futsal settings around the united states right if people don't donate money to well you can always donate to joy the people we always need money we're a nonprofit. but usu soccer foundation or u.s soccer foundation is building mini courts all across the country yeah and they built one in our uh, on our tennis court 
So they are such a great organization um, that are doing the right things. Uh, wherever you are, where you are, set up free play for kids, whether it's backyards, parks. And we're, we actually have an app coming out, which we're really super excited about. It's a program called Free Play Go. And what it is, is we pay, even so your teams could do this, right? We pay older high school and college kids that still like to play soccer. Mm -hmm. We pay them, it's sort of like an Uber for pickup. Uh, we pay them to run pickup games for kids. That's cool. So they'll run a pickup game, check kids in, check kids out. Money is sent to their phone. Uh, they could do that all day long if they wanted. Nice. So very cool. Of course, we don't know if it'll work if we'll raise enough money, but we think that there's a big need for free play and that people are willing to support it. And the big, the big problem I think a lot of parents have is: is my kid going to be safe, especially mm -hmm. around COVID? Um, you know. Uh, do you know how do we set up games at the parks close to home or that are generally empty? Uh, how can we, you know, and so then we'll train those young. Like, you don't need a soccer field; you can play in a tennis court. Of course, we know that you can play in an old hockey rink. You can play in millions of places. Yeah. So, uh, we're really excited about that. But I, I guess I would like to see, um, and then I would I would like to you know people to really open their minds about futsal and development in general. Um, futsal is such a, compared to soccer, it's way more exciting. I mean, you get to be, you get to look at the face of the person making that decision right, you know, 12 yards off from goal. You can see the decision-making process going on. It's very, as you know, Yeah. if you're at a soccer game, you don't, get to see that face you don't get to be that close and sort of the you know the, everything about it the, the the high scoringness you know the sort yeah. of the, the, the to and fro of the games yeah it's more uh, intimate more intimate to be a part of yeah yeah you said it one word you said it way better than i did in go. like three minutes so <laughs> i got you Ted. no worries man <laughs> No, I agree, man. So, you know, going back to the basics as well, I uh, would love to see see more futsal pop up in general. So, uh, fantastic, man. Well, we're, we're looking forward to having you in, in the NFPL next year here. Uh, for all those listenings, if you're anywhere in the Minnesota area and you have not been around or seen Joy of the People, definitely go and check them out. A great organization and one that I think uh, are going to do a lot here in the NFPL. So, today for the listeners, right, we're here with Ted Creighton. Artistic Director of Joy Futsal. Ted, thanks uh, very much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. See you soon.